Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Conversations. It's a variety show about real life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. to relocate myself I started printing 47 pages <laughs> in the office and I'm like that's not gonna sound very good for well sure. well thank you so much for taking the time to be on I appreciate it um I, it's probably not healthy for me to be so excited about talking about toxic relationships <laughs> let's do this well it's you know what I didn't realize that that's what all of these dysfunctional relationships really that's what the common theme was so it's kind of funny you know how i realized after the fact and then that's where my sort of niche has ended up that is so ironic that you say that because i literally have written down people don't realize they are in a toxic relationship until they are out of it which i'm sure is not 100 percent correct because people might think that they're not in the healthiest you know or they just don't realize how unhealthy it was until they got out of it mm -hmm. but and I, and I think in, in my instance with family, friends, and, you know, certain work situations and relationships, it wasn't until I started even working with my own coach. And I'd already done so much of my own, like, healing. Well, I don't know about healing, but done so much of my own work. Right. It wasn't until I started working with a coach and starting to understand things like, you know, limiting beliefs and decisions and things about the unconscious mind and cellular memory and just how all these other people's behaviors had affected basically how I was reacting to things. God, it's so, just mind blowing. It, so it, it is. I, I want to start with asking you, cause I honestly don't know. And I never researched it. What is the difference between having a coach and having a therapist? Having a, um, and there's no, I'm not dissing having therapists. What? Oh, sure. Whatsoever. sure. Yeah. Um, but I know in my experience, I had, you know, one for probably 25 years. Okay. And I went in and I talked every Tuesday and it was draining. Um, and it was more like I went in and I talked about what was going on at work or what was going on with a sister, or what was going on with a parent or what was going on with a friend. Because I one of the things that I lacked was sort of getting any validation from anybody. And I was always being told it was more like you're making it about you and you're not born with proper coping skills. So anytime I went to try to, I guess, voice my opinion for lack of a better word or do things the way I wanted to, it was met with resistance. And I mean, there were a whole other, you know, reasons I, I was basically sent to see this guy because um, I was unhappy. Um, but in all the years I saw him, uh, we never got to the root of the eating disorder. Um, he never touched on the fact that there could have been, you know, that my mother was a narcissist. Um, my father enabled her. Um and I had to put all those things together. I didn't know that I was the black sheep and the scapegoat. So, you know, with the talk therapy or armchair therapy, you go in and it's kind of, you discuss day-to-day -day things, um, in my opinion. With the coach, there's a goal at the end of the day. And, you know, one of the things 
I do with there's I have a six week breakthrough, for example, and it could be, um, you know, a relationship with self. So we take the six weeks and there's a lot of different sort of um, depending on like it's customized to what the actual your actual client needs um, and it's goal and task oriented. Um, I probably do just as much hourly work away as I do as sorry I send you off with so there's a lot of tasks um, a lot more accountability um, you know we set up an evidence procedure at the beginning with what we want the outcome to be and you know we agree on a consequ consequences if you're not you know doing your journaling or doing certain tasks that um, are assigned and yeah I mean I, I guess a coach holds you more accountable um, and it's a lot of deep down work and looking into not the, you know, I think with the therapy, a lot of it is the presenting problem that is addressed and not actually the root cause of what's on the surface. Mm -hmm. If that makes, you know, without going into too much coach speech, so to speak. Yeah, no, actually just in the way that you explained all that, it makes perfect sense that when you go see a therapist, when you said it was draining, you're doing a lot of venting. You're just mm -hmm. like throwing it, you're vomiting out all the negative yeah. that's been happening and how it made you feel and whatever. Whereas um, the coaching aspect sounds more um, like you're an active participant in your life and you have control and you are not just going to talk about it. You're going to do things. Well, and it's, it's changing the mindset and it's getting people out of things called, you know, um, effect into cause you know and it's you know also validating clients sort of version of the world and what's happened to them I mean one of the reasons I got into this work too was because I believe people deserve to be you know heard loved supported understood and there's not enough of that um, in the world and I know that was one thing that you know, years later, I realized that was stuff that I was missing. And, you know, I lost with my struggles with the dysfunctional relationships. I lost a good 20 to 30 years of having sort of a normal life in my 20s and 30s mm -hmm. and, and, and most of my 40s. And if I had some of the tools I have now, I probably could have avoided a lot of those struggles. I mean, one of the things I know that I in hindsight, look back is I was constantly trying to not necessarily change the person as a person, but change their way of thinking, have them come around to my way of thinking or my way of understanding or, you know, the way I thought things should be done and realizing number one, that there was a common theme with the people I was trying to change, so to speak. And they weren't the healthiest people in the world. Um, and, but I, I was trying to change them and you can't change other people. You can only change how you, you know, respond and handle situations and people. And sometimes it's walking away and sometimes it's, you know, lowering your, and not having the high expectations. Sometimes it's realizing that the person sitting at the other side of the table has a whole history behind them and there's a reason they behave the way they do. And I think even just having that awareness makes it 
easier for me today to, to well, handle, for lack of a better word, or be in situations with people that normally would have, have had me, you know, pissed off. Right. And, and I don't like using the word triggered, but yeah, it is triggered. And I look back at some people now and I'm like, yeah, no wonder I got triggered by that person and that yeah. person. But I'm like, but it's not about me. How do you, cause I, I read part of your bio and that you have um, distanced yourself from some family and stuff. How do you get rid of any type of guilt that goes along with that? If you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I absolutely cannot live like this for another minute. And I know that the person that I have in my life is what's causing a lot of my issues or um, unhappiness. How do you, how do you get rid of that guilt that goes along with cutting them out of your life? I don't think in my instance, there was a whole lot of guilt, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was so frustrated. And the more I tried to get them to understand me, it made me look crazier. Like, sure. You know, one day they sent a, a, a letter when I think I was late 40s to my therapist saying we f fear she's on the verge of a mental you know, breakdown for lack of a better word. She's divorced herself from her sisters and now we fear she's doing the same from us. And all I was doing was setting boundaries. And I remember writing them back and saying, you know, I'm writing this at two in the afternoon of complete, you know, sane conscious mind, whatever. And I'm like, I need to do this for self-preservation. Um, I, and I couldn't, I couldn't go on any longer. It just, it was, for me, it was survival. You know, there was still always when events were happening or holidays, there was, you know, for the first few years, there was always that anticipation that I was going to get a call or an email and I was going to have to make an excuse. And, you know, over time, it um, the most difficult part was explaining to other people hmm. because people do not understand normal or not normal. You just society does not. I'm going to say a prove of people doing something like this and I'm like but I had to it was not it was not healthy for me you know of course it put I'm sure they were under pressure too because they thought they had the daughter that there was something wrong with her but there really wasn't I just was not I was I just had a different personality than they did and like I said and I later learned that my mother was a narcissist it was covert, so it wasn't, I mean, I had an idyllic, picture-perfect upbringing. Um, you know, didn't want for anything, and, and they were great parents. I mean, terrific. However, as I got older um, and started becoming more independent, there was, you know, pushback, and I think there was competition, and there was jealousy, and I had had a great relationship with my father, and my mother pretty much severed that. Um, which that hurt because he was my rock. Um, How did she sever it? Um, I couldn't hop in the car and go take him for a coffee. We couldn't go for walks on our own. Um, he would answer the phone and directly hand it to her. And it just, you know, the stuff I used to do with him on my own, I couldn't do anymore or she would play martyr or get angry or upset or go silent. Hmm. So it was never 
like I said, it was covert. It wasn't overt. It was all just subtleties. And I mean, if I ever were to ever have brought that up, I don't even know what would have happened. <laughs> yeah. Were the holidays ever a joy or was it always something where you dreaded getting together? Or what was it? Grow, um... Growing up, they were great. It's as I got older, uh, I dreaded them. What changed? Well, um, they moved out of the city to a, a farm a couple of hours out of the city. So that was no longer like home to me and it wasn't a safe place. Um, I was from 22 to about 32, I had a eating disorder. Um, so there was it, mostly bulimia. So trying to hide that when you're like stuck up at a farm with your parents place, when you're used to living, you know, on your own with roommates, yeah. that made things difficult, but that was also a reaction obviously to other stuff going on. Um, and yeah, anyway, I mean, I look back now and I'm in the best place I've ever been. I'm now helping people that, you know, I can see struggling with the things that I did, but I'm now able to provide them with some tools and, you know, different ways of looking at things so that they don't have to go through the same struggles. Yeah. Well, I know that it's um, your job and you get paid, but I mean, it's still very admirable for you to want to help to not have people go through what you've gone through or to help get them out of a situation that you can tell is toxic for them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not, you know, I mean, financially and emotionally, I mean, not everybody can do it either. So sometimes you have to figure out ways to, um, you know, adjust. And, you know, that's not to say if your behaviors change and the way you approach things just through sort of osmosis, that may change the dynamic of the relationship with the other person. Right. You know, without having to have a discussion about it. Um, they see you responding differently and their behavior starts to change. And that can be for better or worse, because I know in one instance, I changed my behavior and their behavior became more and more toxic because they didn't like the boundaries being set and the rules being changed. Is it a control thing? Do you think with some people for sure? Yeah. I was just having this conversation with my husband over the weekend and we weren't in an argument, but we were definitely um, having a, a couple's conversation mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, about mirroring and projection and yeah. how whatever annoys the heck out of me about him is probably something that is actually one of my character traits and it drives me crazy because it's something about me and it was an, it was eye-opening and I think we're going to both be a lot more mindful of how because I think he is a know-it-all and he thinks that I am a mm. well there there is I mean there's perception as projection which is one of the frames that you know I use with all the clients um and to a point, yes, if there's something that um, is annoying you in someone else, you know, they say, well, look at yourself first. So I don't 100% agree that happens all the time. So there's a little game we play and it's called, how is that a problem? Like I have a neighbor and it just drives me, well, it drove me bonkers because he's miserable and won't look at me and has never said hello in three years. 
so I played this game with one of my coaches one day and it's like, you know, okay, Amanda, so how is it a problem? I'm like, um, because I've done nothing to warrant being ignored. And how is that a problem? I'm like, I, you know, I don't know why he doesn't like me. And well, how is that a problem? And it all came down to me worrying about what other people think. Yeah. And then I realized I'm like, he's a miserable piece of work. Why does it even matter? So it wasn't, you know, me going, he's miserable that I was projecting because I'm miserable. It all had to do with actually me. Yeah. The whole mirroring and projection thing is very interesting to me, mm -hmm. but I'm not saying that that's always means that it's somebody else's, um, or that it's your own fault. If somebody else is treating you crappy, that is not my point because no, I, no, there's no, a no, lot of, of people not. out there that have, um, narcissistic tendencies and, um, I, it's such a struggle, I feel like. And the word boundaries is used very loosely anymore, I feel like. I don't think people even understand exactly what that means. Um, no, and, and I, I try to use more, you know, toxic and dysfunctional instead of using the word narcissist because that gets thrown around a lot. And yeah. I don't particularly like using that word because it's becoming more commonplace exactly um and you know someone can exhibit a lot of toxic behavior um and be controlling and um but not necessarily be you know a narcissist so to speak but you know in terms of boundaries um i didn't even i'm not sure that i i find that word being thrown around a lot unless you're sort of in the, I'm going to say the self-help realm of things and mm -hmm. are looking at that stuff yourself. Like, I didn't know what a boundary was. I didn't realize when I was changing, you know, I wouldn't go up to visit my parents at the farm anymore. I would only meet them halfway on sort of safe ground. I didn't realize that was me setting boundaries because I didn't know the word. When you started doing that, when you started putting the boundaries up and meeting them halfway and whatever, was was your dad questioning? Like, why are you doing this? No, they never questioned anything. Wow. I just, you know, I, you know, I, I mean, I to be honest, I don't even remember how specifically I approached some of it. I just started changing my patterns to things that I was more comfortable with and I remember, you know, one meal saying, you know, we're not discussing the weather. We're not discussing money. We're not discussing the three yellow pills. We're not discussing my sisters because certain topics were just negative and the negativity I couldn't stand. Um, and, you know, I wasn't comfortable at the time talking about my sisters because they basically had written me off. Um, I now have a fantastic relationship with one of them. Um, and... You know, if I've got one solid one, I'd rather have that than, you know, four that you're walking on eggshells around each other. Yeah, that feeling of walking on eggshells is pretty much the worst feeling ever, especially mm -hmm. in your own home. Yeah. Uh, self-care, what type of self-care do you do? Yoga. Oh, okay. Um, I do hot yoga and movies. Not every weekend, but I like to disappear on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon to a movie theater and just get lost. Um, and I read a lot, too. 
do you like fiction or nonfiction? Um, you know what? You're going to laugh at me, but I always get fiction and nonfiction mixed up. Okay. So this is how I remember it. Fiction, the letter F fantasy and okay. nonfiction is real, but fiction, that's how I always remember. Cause I do the same thing. Then it's I, definitely, like, definitely fiction, but I'm also reading, you know, the Brene Brown books and self help realm. I have about six or seven of those on the coffee table. And then I've got Matthew McConaughey's book and I've got um, Michelle Obama's second book. Cause I loved her first one. Oh, I didn't realize she wrote two. Yeah. She, the second one just came out at Christmas. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I love to read too. It's an escape. And um, usually my stuff, I, I just love about the brain and why everybody does what they do and behavior and all of it's so interesting to me. Um, but I'm a hairstylist, so <laughs> I saw, I saw that. Yes. And, um, so somewhat of a, you know, a, not therapist. I don't want to use that, but I mean, I know, I know every, it, it's funny actually, because the woman that put me on to Avalon where I got my training, um, owns a hair salon Oh, that's and funny. Bruna, I started going to her hair salon, I don't know, like 16, 17 years ago. And she wasn't a hairdresser. She owned it, but we got along really well. So I was always telling her about what was going on with my family or what the issue with the work was. Or So she heard all my struggles. Yeah. And then she started hearing me like once I was you know, removing myself from certain things and changing things when things were getting better. And she mentioned Avalon to me once. And then I went in there another time. She's like, and I think it was after I started working with my first coach. And she's like, you know, I think you'd really like these guys. And bingo. So that actually came from my hairdresser, so to speak, who had been hearing me talk about my shit for, you know, 15 <laughs> years. So it's funny yeah. how things come around. It is. And, um, you know, it was just a great job. Just I happened to be doing their hair at the same time as kind of having not everybody came in with garbage baggage or whatever, but a lot of people did. And I don't know if it's just such an intimate setting, you know, you just people get relaxed and they know that I'm not there to judge. I'm just there to do their hair. And so for good or for bad, sometimes we heard a lot more than we had bargained for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But yeah, how long is it that you've been doing hair for? I saw in your... Well, I just retired, but I'd been okay. doing it for 30 years. Okay. So, you know, since I was 19, it was a long time. Um, and I, a great job. Very rewarding. I loved every minute of it. It just, my body just uh, couldn't handle it anymore. So I had mm -hmm. to get out. But um, yeah, that I miss the aspect of talking to different people all the time, which is where the podcast came into play. I just, I love people and I love hearing their backgrounds and why they do what they do and what makes them tick and family dynamics, all of it. So it's just kind of a way to keep that going without doing hair at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, how you end up doing what you're doing. I mean, how I ended up in real, from real estate development to this, like, you know, I've never been a, I'm not a religious person or a spiritual person particularly, but you know, the universe started dropping breadcrumbs and my, what I was doing the job of like almost 20 years was coming to an end. And I was trying to figure out what to do and to stay in the industry. I would have, 
had to take a serious pay cut, start reporting to people, you know, nine to five commutes. And I'm like, at 55 years old, I don't want to be going backwards. Right, exactly. So, you know, I, I was like, I was doing research. I was, I, and I came up with a business idea of doing personal concierge work where, you know, I could organize, coordinate renovations, you know, shopping mm-hmm. events, because that's stuff that I always liked doing, running errands. Um, and I started working with a coach on that business idea. And she's like, you know, you need a solution-based business, not a service that can withstand things like pandemics and recessions and whatnot. Sure. So that sort of shift started moving me towards, I'm like, Helen, I'm not here to be a coach. And the next thing you know, when we started, you know, six months into all my own mindset work, I was going to work with busy professionals um, on sort of time management. And I suddenly realized like people use busy as a badge of honor and it's really not. Yeah. So that led to the mindset thing and the coaching thing. And then I started working, you know, did my Avalon, the original certification. And there it was like, you know, niche, niche, niche and your ideal client. And somehow I ended up in the toxic realm. And I will tell you, I fought anything to do with estrangement, you know, eating issues, toxicity. Cause I'm like, I don't want to be around that. Like I've just gotten away from it. Right. Um, and then I, you know, it's just, it's all evolved. As much as coaching, some people can say has become a trend. A lot of people don't know it or don't understand it. So, you know, I appreciate the beginning of the, the call when you asked what the difference between, um, you know, therapy and coaching is, mm-hmm. um, because there is a huge difference. And, you know, coaching also is, you know, it's a financial investment um, in yourself. And I believe in it. I mean, I've invested, I still continue to invest and, you know, the shifts I saw and the ahas and the awareness in the first six months of even working with a coach, like were astounding compared to, you know, 20 some odd years in, you know, traditional armchair therapy. That said, if I hadn't had him to go to all those years, who knows where I would have ended up. Sure, sure. So he got me through those. And, you know, the the coaching is, it's a real deep dive into yourself, you know, and your behaviors and your thoughts. So it's not just about other people. So, you know, it's a commitment and it's a lot of work and it's, um, you get pushed to your limit. Yeah, that's great. Well, so um, tell people where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Amanda Kirkland coach. Um, my website is amandakirkland.com and yeah, those are the three best places to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You bet. I look forward to the recording kind of. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll be in touch. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bye-bye. Bye-bye.